You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News at Outshell. It is Thursday morning, the 17th of August, 2023. Daniel Pedro back in the chair for the next hour, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. You can text, as always, 0457 736 And that's all before breakfast with Vossie and Brandy for Listers through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. And for listers in Queensland, it'll be Corey Parker in the chair along with Pat. A heels back for you on Monday morning. Was it quite meant to be? Was it England 3, Australia 1? We'll get to the football in just a second. John Gallo as well will join me uh, hopefully in about 15 minutes to review it all. Uh, we've got Paul Dennett. Uh, our cricket expert on the line in about half an hour as well. Now, he was actually out at the game last night. So we will talk a little bit of football with him uh, and just to see what the atmosphere was like. And then uh, we'll update you on the the cricket uh, happening at the moment. Of course, not a lot of cricket on at the moment, but we're not too far away from seeing Australia back in action uh, in white ball form. So we'll get a bit of news from Paul Dennett in about half an hour as well. Plenty of rugby league news floating around as well as we head into round 25 tonight and an intriguing game as well between the Cowboys and the Sharks. So we'll get to all of that. But most importantly, want to hear from you on this Thursday morning, one 1170 our open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736. It's two past five Thursday morning. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a Rheem, Australia's favourite hot water. Uh, two and a half past five yet. Yeah, not quite meant to be for the Matildas, was it, last night? England three, the Matildas one. As I say, we'll hopefully have a chat with John Gallo shortly to review all of it. Um, I thought, and look, I'm no, I, I enjoy watching football. I'm no expert on the game, but I thought England controlled the game very well for the most part. Australia, really the only time I thought they dominated the game was probably the first 10 minutes of that second half leading up to that. A magnificent goal from Sam Kerr. And when she scored that goal to get it back at one all, you just wondered, is it there? And look, she did have a couple of other chances as well throughout the match, but in the end, uh, I think the right team won. Um, and I know uh, a lot of people were not happy about me saying that, but I thought the Lioness is very, very good. I thought Australia, again, probably apart from the Sam Kerr goal, didn't, have, didn't offer a lot in attack, it has to be said. And I thought England controlled that very nicely. So the Lionesses, who won the Euro Championships last year, will go on and play Spain in the final. If you were out there last night, um, and I know it is very early if you were out there. You probably wouldn't have gone home until maybe 11 midnight. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear what the experience was like. Uh, I must say I was in the city for a, a bit of last night. I went home to watch the game, but just went into the city to soak up the atmosphere, and it was packed. Uh, the city, I, I had never seen anything of the like, really. 
um, everyone in green and gold. Uh, a few English fans around as well, which was good to see. Uh, everyone in good spirits and 75,784 fans at Stadium Australia uh, there. That Sam Kergol will live in everyone's memory, especially if you were there for a very long time. Just unfatunately not good enough uh, to get the Matildas home yesterday, last night. So England will play Spain in the final. Australia, uh, their World Cup campaign is not over, though. They will play the third-place playoff against Sweden in Brisbane on Saturday at 6pm. So let's hope the Matildas can get that third place, which would be richly deserved. And I think, to be honest, and I've seen a lot of talk about this on social media as I woke up this morning, um, I, I think the overwhelming feel is, yes, we're disappointed that they lost. Clearly are disappointed that they lost. We would have loved to be able to be here this morning talking about the fact that they were in a final and we could have had the build-up to the final, but that wasn't meant to be England too good. But I think the over, overwhelming feeling is just everyone is very proud of what they did. Um, and even having a chat with the Uber driver that brought me in here this morning, he said it's been a long time since Australia had a, a national team. We've had individuals, but a national team to get behind that generated that much interest. Yes, we've got, of course, the Kangaroos at Rugby League uh, who are very successful. We've got the Australian cricket team who everyone gets behind, but this was very different. Um, an amazing month, basically, uh, for the Matildas, which, and we will talk uh, when uh, we hopefully talk to John Gallo, we'll talk about it more with him. But it is hopefully something that will, and, and there's been a lot of talk about this. Craig Foster was on the breakfast show in Sydney yesterday about hopefully people having watched the Matildas may have only had a casual interest in football, now go out and buy memberships to their local A-League. Um, and of course, both men's and women's, and of course, uh, the Matildas and women's sport as well, just going from strength to strength. So disappointing, yes, but definitely proud. If you've got any thoughts on the game last night, if you were there, if you're at one of those live sites, whether it be Allianz Stadium, Combank Stadium, anywhere around Sydney, there were heaps of them. I'm sure there was the same in Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Happy to hear from you as well. Anything you'd like to talk about this morning in terms of the match, pay tribute to what a wonderful performance uh, the past month has been. And it has been a, it's been a performance that I think has united the whole country. Um, so well done to the Matildas and well done to England. That final against Spain will be very interesting indeed on Sunday night in Sydney. You would expect, uh, if it's not sold out, you'd still expect it to be a pretty big crowd because we've seen right throughout this tournament that we've seen big crowds even with games that the Matildas haven't featured in. So I would expect the same on Sunday night for the final. Should be a good one. Spain versus England. Uh, any thoughts on the football? We'll get back to it shortly as well. one 300 one 1170 or 457 736 if you want to have your say on that. Uh, let's just move away, just briefly away from the Matildas and the England game last night to some rugby league news that broke uh, about 9.15, 9.30 yesterday morning, uh, Tim Sheen's gone from the West Tigers, or will be at the end of the season after the next few games, leaving Benji Marshall to take the reins of the Tigers. The Tigers released a statement yesterday confirming the change, which comes 12 months ahead of time. Marshall, we know, was scheduled to take over from Sheen's at the end of next season, but his ascent to the top job has been fast-tracked after yet another season of disappointment. Uh, Benji Marshall said in a statement, I am uh, humbled by Tim's endorsement as the future and long-term head coach of the West Tigers. To be the head coach of the West Tigers has been a long-held dream of mine since retiring from playing. 
I'm very grateful for the opportunity to take on the role, and I'm indebted to, I am indebted to Tim for all that he's taught me, both as a player and as an assistant coach. I know that I am ready to take on the role with all the support that the club has offered. And Team Sheen's added, I came back with a focus on creating stronger pathways and development programs. I'm proud of the work accomplished by all involved in the pathway system and of the emerging local talent in both the men's and women's competitions. Now, it's understood that Sheen's management approached the Tigers last week about the potential for a change of the role for the 72-year-old at the end of the season. By that stage, the club harboured its own reservations surrounding the club's development in the season, but they were not willing to pull the trigger on Sheens. After conversations started with Sheens hoping to keep a senior, keep him at a senior role at the club, it ended with him coaching until the end of this season and then stepping down. Those at the club believe the decision were twofold, uh, and I know they wanted Tim Sheens to stay around, uh, but it does seem like it's quite likely he will move back to the UK with his partner. Uh, Tigers fans, rugby league fans, one 1170 or 0457 736 736. I thought when this news originally came out um, early on yesterday morning, 9.30 yesterday morning, people were saying, here we go with the Tigers again. I think if that is to be believed, uh, might not be as bad as it originally uh, was made out to be. And look, my opinion on it, and I'd be interested to hear from Tigers fans as well. Look, Benji Marshall, we don't know how good of a coach he is going to be. That remains to be seen and we'll find out over the next couple of years. But if you have been watching the Tigers games closely this year, look, no doubt Tim Sheens would have had his say. But Benji Marshall has been doing a lot of the coaching for the West Tigers. Uh, at least on game day. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors during the week with training and how much involvement he has, Robbie Farah has, Tim Sheens has, um, and who is leading that team. But it does seem to me that Benji has been doing at least a lot of the on-field coaching uh, or game day coaching when the game has been played throughout at least the second part of the year. And, and look, the Tigers uh, over the past few weeks have been pretty um, consistent. Uh, they've been pretty competitive. Um, and they've got a good chance to win a game this weekend as well, which we'll talk about tomorrow morning. So, and, and I, I think the other thing is, if this was going to be the plan in 2025 anyway, I don't see it being a huge issue. Look, it's not like the Tigers are going to be making the top eight this year. They're going to be more than likely, almost certainly now, winning the wooden spoon. So they've not got a lot to lose by fast-tracking this a year early. Um, and I think... If they're going to try it, why not do it now? Tigers fans, are you happy with this that this has happened? Do you think it's a good move? And rugby league fans, are you thinking this is a good move to get Benji Marshall in a year early? Yes, he is unproven. We don't know. We won't know. But why not start it now, which was always going to be the plan in 2025 anyway? And can the West Tigers make the top eight with Benji Marshall as coach next year? Oh, look, I don't think so. But they have shown signs at different parts of this year that they do have a team that can be competitive. What do you reckon? Is it the right call from the West Tigers to bring Benji Marshall in next year? Fast track that plan that they always had? And can Benji Marshall turn things around for the Tigers and make them a top eight side? I think probably the first thing Benji Marshall and the West Tigers coaching staff want to do is make them a much more competitive side and start winning some matches. Maybe top eight too far, but 
Who knows? Vossi had them in their top, his top eight this year. Uh, 0457 736 736, our text number, 1300 111170. What do you reckon? The Tigers, Benji Marshall, right decision, wrong decision, and can Benji Marshall turn things around to make the Tigers a competitive and possible finals team next year? one 736 Just before a break, and then we'll have a chat with John Gallo. We heard about yesterday on the breakfast show in Sydney, Anthony Albanese was on, and throughout the day uh, that Australia will play co-host to a six-country Pacific postseason rugby league tournament for the next two years following a $7 million federal funding injection to boost the level of competition in the region. The Albanese government will spend $7 million over the next two years to fund the end-of-season tournament in partnership with the NRL, with the inaugural Pacific Rugby League Championship to feature men's and women's teams from Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, PNG and the Cook Islands. Games for the 2023 championship will be played in Australia, New Zealand and PNG between October 13 and November 4, which of course uh, lengthens the rugby league season by a month. I don't think any fans will be disappointed by that. And on the back of that, Australian coach Mel Meninga has given the biggest hint yet on who will wear the Kangaroos number one jersey when the international uh, games are on later this year. So, James Tedesco, obviously the incumbent. Other players putting their hands up. Reese Walsh, playing fantastic for the Broncos, played very well in origin. Uh, and Caelan Ponga, who didn't play in origin, but is probably the form player of the competition at the moment. Uh, now, we know Tedesco had a quiet patch to start the season, but it's come into form, uh, no doubt, since uh, the last state of origin. And speaking on Wednesday at the announcement of the new Pacific Championships, Meninga endorsed Tedesco to keep his spot at the back for Australia. He said, Teddy is the incumbent. He's the captain of the Kangaroos. He led the team to a successful World Cup last year. He's coming back into form, but I think he's been going well all year. His effort levels are great. He's in my mind. We have a couple of other selectors, but in my mind, he's the number one fullback at the moment. And out of loyalty, he should be selected. Uh, he did say, though, uh, that there was plenty of competition pointing to, a Walsh, pointing to Walsh as a utility slash bench role possibility. Uh, if you were Melmaninga, if you were the Australian coaching staff and selectors, who does play fullback at the end of the year? Let's just say all of them are available for selection. No one's injured. No one pulls out. Does Tedesco on the back of his recent form and the incumbency deserve that spot at fullback for Australia? Is it time maybe for a change? Reese Walsh, Caelan Ponga. What do you reckon? Who would be your fullback for Australia in these internationals at the end of the NRL season if they are all fit and firing to go. Tedesco, Walsh or Ponga, who would you be picking? one 300 And as I say, a really intriguing round 25 kicks off tonight. There's some very big matches throughout the weekend. This one big. Cowboys up against the Cronulla Sharks. Who wins? What's going to be the scoreline? We know the Sharks have hit back uh, into form over the past couple of weeks. We know the Cowboys had won six in a row and then lost the past two, had the bye last weekend to refresh. It's up in Townsville. It's an important game for the Cowboys, sitting in ninth position, heading into this round. Who wins? What's going to be the scoreline tonight? We might get a prize for the person closest to the mark. one 300 Who wins? What's the scoreline tonight? 
in the first game of round 25, the third last round before the final series. And myself and Charlie Goodsir will preview the remainder of round 25 tomorrow morning. So that's just some of what's on our agenda this morning. If you want to pay tribute to the Matildas, if you were out there last night, enjoyed the game with it, or maybe not so much enjoyed it, but maybe enjoyed the occasion, would love to hear from you. The Tigers, right decision to get Benji Marshall in early. Are you happy with that? Uh, if you're a Tigers fan, and can Benji Marshall turn things around and make the Tigers a potential top eight team in his first year as coaching next year? Yes or no? one 1170 or 0457-736-736. And in terms of the internationals at the back end of this year, who's fullback? If they're all available to be selected, is it James Tedesco? Is it Reese Walsh? Is it Kalen Ponga? one 1170 457 736 It's 16 and a half past five. Off and running on this Thursday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. 20 uh, past 5, 0457736736. A couple of texts there on the Tigers. I'll get to them in a second. Uh, just this one from Jason saying, Dan, uh, who is going to be coaching uh, the Melbourne Storm in 2025 if Craig Bellamy does retire? Well, that's, well, that's a really interesting one because that's on the assumption that Craig Bellamy does retire uh, at the end of next year. Uh, we assume he will, but we've been assuming that for a little while. Look, Jason Riles back with the Melbourne Storm. I would say he would be the front runner. I know Billy Slater's name has been mentioned quite a few times, but I would imagine, I would think, and without any inside knowledge at all, I would think Jason Riles, but it is a really interesting question. Brian, I'll get to your text about the Tigers as well very soon. Benji Marshall, is he going to make a difference? Firstly, do you think the Tigers have done the right thing? to move Tim Sheens on, and it seems to be a mutually agreed decision. Not a lot of bad blood there. It was going to happen anyway in 2025. I don't see the issue with it happening in 2024. Can Benji Marshall, though, turn the Tigers around to be, A, a more competitive team, and B, a potentially a top-eight team? And the internationals at the back end of the year. Who's your fullback right now? Mel Meninga has thrown his support behind James Tedesco. Is it Tedesco? Is it Reese Walsh? Is it Kalen Ponga for the internationals happening in October and November? And on the football last night, we'll talk to Paul Dennett from uh, our cricket expert in a moment, uh, who was out at the game last night. I'll be interested to hear the atmosphere. But if you've got any thoughts on England's win 3-1 over the Matildas, happy to hear from you as we do this at 22 past five. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. I have a feeling that song might have been playing on some England radio stations over the past six or so hours. John Gallo, good morning to you. Yes, good morning to you, mate. How are we? Yes, very, very well. Look, I was saying, as I'll get your thoughts on the game, I was saying at the top of the show, I think the overwhelming feeling is, yes, disappointing that Australia didn't win, and we're obviously disappointed that we're not talking now about potentially a big build-up to the final, which will be a great match anyway between Spain and England. But I think the overwhelming sense is it's been a wild ride. It's been so much fun and a lot of pride in this Matildas team to what as to what they have done over the past month. But the game last night, I thought England controlled it very nicely. And I thought, apart from that 10-minute period in that second half to start out with where Australia did look like they had changed things up, did look like they were dominating, I thought England played such a very good game. Yeah, mate, that they did, and uh, they stayed in control from from you know, large periods of that game, and right from the start to the half time in that first 45 minutes, you know that they really ran the show. 
quite comfortably at times. I thought we, we tried to pressure them a little bit with some cross balls inside the 18-yard box, but those crosses were more, you know, loops into the box that allowed their keeper to come out comfortably at times and, and collect the ball. You know, we, we tried to go around them a few times, but I, I thought overall, you know, our key players, Rasto, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler, even Kirk in that first half were all kept fairly quiet, mm. didn't present too many threats going forward. But our back four had to work tirelessly to try and track the England runners because they kept coming forward and breaking forward and playing around us a few times. Um, and I thought on one-on-one situations out wide, they were just that little bit more skillful on the ball that allowed them to get into really dangerous areas. And they had a few opportunities as well, England, in that first half. And we created some opportunities in, in that, that 10, 15-minute period you referred to in the second half when we started being a bit more attackive. We started going at them a little bit more. I think the, the Aussie crowd started to try and rev up and try to motivate the Aussies to go forward with the ball because we were very defensive. We were going sitting back and trying to hit on the counter we, was the, the game plan in that first 45 minutes. You could see the way that the materials were set up. Uh, but in that 10-minute you know, period, we came at them a little bit more uh, I think we we're probably motivated a little bit at half time from what Tony Gufferson and, and the coaching staff had probably in, laid onto the players about going forward a bit more. And we did that. Uh, and Sam Kerr's goal was, was absolutely amazing. One all, all of a sudden out of nowhere pretty much because we didn't create many opportunities in that period either. But we looked like we were going forward and a little bit more attacky, which was good to see. But um, after that period, you know, after Sam Kerr's goal, about five, five minutes later, it was order was resumed pretty much as, as it was when England got back to 2-1. From an Ellie Carpenter mistake, I mean, mm. I've got to feel sorry for Ellie Carpenter this morning. She's absolutely, you know, probably disappointed in, in that mistake that she made there. But that pressure that England put on you, not only from an attacking point of view, but they do press high up the park as well. When they press you, you really got to be on your game and you can't afford to have any slight uh, slips or, or hiccups along the way. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. 2-1 up and then they go for a third goal. And uh, look, it was a difficult one to, to swallow, obviously, for, for a Matildas fan right now. It's a bitter pill. This morning, but at the end of the day, you got to remember how far we've come. You know, World Cup semi-final, I didn't think we'd get that far, to be brutally honest. Mm. Um, but we played some really good football, had some great moments against Denmark, had a wonderful moment against France. Uh, and I think along the way, we've broken, you know, TV records and got yeah. a whole country involved in the Matildas. So, uh, yeah, that, that's nothing to be, you know, shrugging off for sure. will be very interesting to see what the TV ratings are like when they're released in a few hours' time. And that, of course, won't take into account how many people were watching it at live sites, different pubs all over the place uh, last night. So the ratings were very interesting. Uh, just on Sam Kerr. Uh, I mean, everyone knows how good she is and people that watch football week in, week out see this quite often. For the casual football viewer, we've seen, and unfortunately that injury robbed us of seeing more of her earlier on in this tournament. But the past two games, we've seen just how good she is. And that goal, uh, I know in the end, Australia didn't go on to win, but that moment uh, will be replayed for a very, very long time. That was just amazing. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing. You saw a post-game interview afterwards and, and no doubt obviously she was very disappointed but um, you know, she was more disappointed in the fact that she probably didn't get enough minutes in her legs to just try and play that level that we've seen her play in the Women's Premier League over in, in England um, but you know I think that, that hampered her a hell of a lot during this, this tournament uh, against France when she got on you could see that she was trying different things uh, but not her usual self she wasn't as comfortable you know, as, as she normally would be and you saw that in moments against England obviously against England had at least two defenders on her the whole time that she touched the ball because they know how good she is. 
Um, and we could see when she turned and faced and ran at the back four for England and she scored that absolute cracking goal. As he said, that goal will be replayed for a long, long time. And it was out of nowhere, really, to be honest. I, I didn't see the Matildas scoring a goal up until that point. Um, it was an amazing goal and, and it really you know, turned the momentum straight in towards Matilda's favour for a good couple of minutes there. But obviously then England uh, pounced on that mistake. But, mm. you know, it's amazing from, from Sam Kerr to be even playing in this tournament at the moment, I think, given how bad the injury was, how much niggle there was around it as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we got to see the best of Sam Kerr, unfortunately, throughout this tournament. We didn't see enough of her play. Uh, but un- un- you know, under these circumstances, you just got to do what you can do and play based on what the doctor's advice. And she's done that. She's given her best. Um, and-, and that's all you can do. But hopefully now people will watch Sam Kerr more and more because she's a, a wonderful player. And let's hope that what the Matildas have done, uh, we'll see what happens if there's a lot of overflow to it. I have no doubt there'll be a lot of, of younger girls taking up football slash soccer over the next 12 months. But it just goes to show when football is firing here, it is very, very hard to switch off. And of course, uh, there's always talks about the A-League and the standard of that competition. But uh, when you see efforts like the Matildas, the Socceroos at the back end of last year, you know, football is firing in all cylinders. Now, just before you move away from the Women's uh, World Cup, there's still two games to come. Now, the Matildas are playing uh, in Brisbane on uh, Saturday night, 6 o'clock, the third-place playoff against Sweden. How do you see the Matildas going there? And then give us your tip for the final on Sunday. I'd say I'd be close to sold out at Stadium Australia on Sunday between Spain and England. England, the reigning uh, Euro champion. Spain, we know how dangerous they can be. Who are you tipping in both of those matches? Yeah, Australia and Sweden. Look, Sweden played a very good game against Spain and pushed them the whole way uh, in that semi-final. Um, look, it's going to be a difficult one. I'm, I'm going to say the, the Aussies. I think the Aussies can get up against Sweden only because of the disappointment over over the result against England and the performance. I think that Australia will be more motivated than ever to come out and perform. And I think the home crowd advantage, you can see what that home crowd advantage did to the Aussies in you know, that 10-15 minute window in the second half. So hopefully... Uh, that will motivate the Matildas. I think we're good enough to, to play them. Obviously, Tony Gustafsson, he, he is Swedish himself. His coaching staff are, are from Sweden. Mm. So he'll have a good inside knowledge of how Sweden like to play their football. I think that will help the Matildas a long way. In terms of the final, look, I'm, I'm, England have been playing some wonderful football, but I think this tournament so far from the very start to now, besides the Japan game where they had probably about five or six players rested, I think Spain have been the, the standout team for me so far. The way they play their football, they've been attacking from start to finish. They play very much like the men's team. They, they like to hold possession very, very well. Very difficult to take away, as do England. England play a high, you know, high possession, high pressing game as well. So it's going to be interesting with the two styles, very similar that they both play. Um, but I, I think Spain will get more hold of the ball. I think they'll be more difficult to take off the ball. And for that, I think Spain will win. It'll be a very tight one, but I think it might go into penalties. But I think Spain will win. And don't forget, you can hear it all on SEN. Having spoken to uh, our mutual friend over in the UK and my, a couple of my friends in the UK, places very busy around the UK yesterday. That was Thursday, uh, well, no, Wednesday morning, uh, losing track of time. Uh, think about it on Sunday morning, their time, which will be about 11 a.m. kickoff. It will be uh, rocking in the UK. All right, uh, let's move on just quickly. We'll just fly through these uh, tips and then we'll get stuck more into the EPL next week. Uh, second round of the EPL going on. Starts Saturday morning 4.45. Nottingham Forest, Sheffield uh, United. I'm going to go with Forest. I thought they put up a good display in the last five, ten minutes against Arsenal. Uh, I thought Sheffield United struggled a little bit uh, as expected. 
I'm going to go with Forest 1-0. Ludentown and Burnley has been postponed, so we move to Liverpool Bournemouth. It's first of many games at midnight, Saturday night going into Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean towards Liverpool. I think they've got a good squad together now with McAllister and Schleserbay in that midfield. Uh, obviously, Salah playing really well up front now. Gatko, Diaz, I like that front three. Jota as well in there. I'm going to go Liverpool 2-0. Wolves and Brighton? Wolves and Brighton. I like Wolves thrown up against United. They were very unlucky not to at least get a draw on that one. I saw that penalty you know, very controversially not given to the Wolves. I'm going to back Wolves here. Well, Wolves and Brighton. Oh, I'm going to say Wolves in a, in a way, but Brighton have been playing some really good football. Yeah, draw. Let's go draw. All right, draw. It took you a while to get there. Uh, midnight or Sunday. Fulham. It's been <laughs> a long night. It's been a long night. Uh, Fulham-Brentford midnight. Sunday. Fulham Brentford. I'm going to go Brentford. I think Brentford have been really impressive under Spurs, and you know when they played Spurs last week. Sorry, but I'm going to go Brentford. I think one nil. All right, Brentford one nil at two thirty a.m. Sunday morning. What a game! This should be Tottenham up against Man United. Man United didn't play that impressive for me. I thought Spurs were decent. Um, look, do they have enough time together without Harry Kane? That's a big question. At home though, at White Hart Lane, it'll be a big packed out stadium. I'm going to go draw. I think this might be another draw. Man City, who are in action now, actually, in the UEFA Super Cup final. They're losing 1-0 at the moment. They're going to host Newcastle Sunday morning at 5 a.m. Newcastle, very impressive in the first round of the Premier League as well. Yeah, Newcastle, probably the most impressive team in the opening week of the Premier League. Uh, Man City are Man City, though, and I think Man City might be getting it done 2-0. Sunday night, 11 p.m., Aston Villa-Everton. Expect Villa to bounce back. I think Everton struggled in the first game of the of the, of the week. I'm going to go with uh, with Villa one nil. All right, and then a couple of games Monday morning. Uh, for, well, sorry, one game Monday morning, one game Tuesday morning. Monday morning, West Ham Chelsea one thirty a.m. Yeah, London rivalry always big. West Ham Upton Park. I think West Ham might be up for this. Chelsea, if they're playing decent as well against Liverpool, I think Chelsea win two nil. And finally, Tuesday morning five a.m. Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. I'm going to go Arsenal. I know Palace had a good win on the opening week, but I just think Arsenal will be a, a too difficult task for Palace. I think Arsenal 2 or 3 nil. All right. Good stuff, mate. We will chat on Monday morning to wrap up the weekend of the Women's World Cup, the weekend of the EPL, another huge weekend in football. And still, even though the Matilda's not in the final, I think we're in for a pretty good final with Spain up against England. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll chat on Monday. Absolutely, mate. Talk soon. John, Everyone. you too. John Gallo talking all things football. We'll get back to your text on the other side of this. Paul Dennett will talk cricket as well. It is 26 to 6, 1300 0111 70 hour open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736. 21 and a half to 6, 0457 736 736 or 1300 Asking you this morning, any thoughts on the game last night? If you were out there, we were about to speak to someone who was out there in just a second. We'd love to hear from you. I know it is very early if you were out there, but if you were, would love to hear from you if you like to pay tribute to what the Matildas have done. And as I say, there's still a game to go. Third place playoff in a couple of days' time up in uh, Brisbane. 0457 736 736. A text here as well saying, couldn't agree more with what Craig Foster said on the breakfast show in Sydney yesterday, uh, get your memberships to all your local A-Leagues clubs. Yes, well, not that far away from the start of that season. So, yeah, do totally agree uh, with that. Asking you about the Tigers as well. Did they make the right decision to move Benji in a year earlier? I don't have an issue with it. If it was the plan that was going to be in place, why not? 
whether it'll work or not is a question mark, but that would have been a question mark in 2025. Brian says on the text, Dan, read the Tigers dramas. The place needs a complete clean-out. Sorry, but Marshall and Farrah are part of the problem, uh, along with the CEO. Marshall has virtually been coaching the side for most of the season, so what will change? New coach with fresh ideas and no ties to the club. Otherwise, there'll be more pain and misery. That from Brian. Well, uh, there is that line of thinking as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Tigers and what happens with Benji Marshall as coach. Um, and if they're in a similar position this time next year, then what happens? Can Benji Marshall turn things around for the Tigers or are you with Brian? And you think they should be looking at another coach? Even now, instead of Benji Marshall. What do you reckon? And uh, head of the internationals at the back end of the year, Who's your fullback? Mel Meninger has thrown his support behind James Tedesco. But if they're all available, who do you pick? Tedesco, Walsh, Ponga. one 1170 or 0457 736 736. And your scoreline for the game tonight. Intriguing game. Cowboys and Sharks. Who wins? What's the scoreline? It's 19 to 6. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. And our cricket expert, Paul Dennett, on the line. Morning to you, Paul. Morning, Dad. How you going? Uh, very well. Now, we'll get to the cricket in just a second, but you were out there. You were one of the 75 and a bit thousand that were lucky enough to get tickets last night to the football. Disappointing result, but just quickly, tell us what the atmosphere was and how loud did the stadium get when Sam Kerr scored that remarkable goal? Uh, it felt like the Olympics. For the first <laughs> yeah. time since 2000, I... I just had this feeling, I, you know, a flashback 23 years, if you could believe it. It felt, it was just so good. The um, sprinkling of England fans on the way in mm. as well. The, the the vibe between the fans couldn't have been better. Um, and this, again, the, the crowd, um, the passion, the knowledge of all the players and um, just this feeling of this is the biggest team um, uh, in Australian sport at the moment by a long way. And, yeah, the Sam Kerr goal... Uh, it has to be right up there with one of the best things, possibly the best thing I've ever seen live. Mm. Just the the sense of desolation that has been descending on the crowd prior to that of like, ah, oh, that's what football can do to you. You just, just you know, oh, we're not going to score, we're not going to score, and then suddenly the the player of the tournament who's had the injuries and uh, the injury uh, and just to burst through with such a stunning goal. And then, and the other thing that was so good about it was you knew there was not going to be any video review. Mm. It was going to be in the books and it was glorious. And for, I don't know, for two minutes, the crowd just went berserk. And then the next, uh, it was eight minutes until yeah. England then scored and destroyed everything. But those eight minutes, um, Australia looked like we could have scored twice or so in those, mm. those eight minutes. It felt then, um, you know, the belief was, was really, really there. Um, my, my nieces and nephews were crying after that. I was, I was hearing, and you know, the, the whole country was um, was so disappointed. But it was worth it for those eight minutes. Yeah, uh, and a remarkable event, uh, remarkable uh, last month for the Matildas, and yeah, disappointing result. But it would have been great to be there last night. All right, let's get on to the cricket. Obviously, no cricket being played at the moment, but not too far away uh, from seeing uh, some white ball cricket. But some news around Pat Cummins. Yeah, um, he, he got the um, left wrist injury uh, during the Ashes, um, an actual fracture uh, to his left wrist. And the intention had been for him to miss the T20 section of this upcoming South African tour. Mm. Uh, but he's probably going to miss the one-day section um, as well. And I, hearing him speak about it, I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise that um, 
yes, it's important to prepare for the for the upcoming 50-over World Cup, which follows pretty hard on the heels of that in India. But these cricketers, they sometimes play the best part of 11 months of the year. Mm. And I, I think that after such a stressful Ashes series, I think he's probably appreciating... Um, the opportunity to have a little bit of um, rest and relaxation. It does open up an interesting discussion as to who will be the Australian captain for this series. Um, Mitchell Marsh has been named the T20 captain, and um, the intention, I think, is for him to be the ongoing T20 captain. Pat Cummins will captain the Australian 50-over side in the World Cup. But after that, there's sort of hints that maybe that'll be enough for him. And um, so will Mitch Marsh get the job for this 50-over tournament? Uh, will, it, will they go back to Steve Smith? There are, there are other options as well. So... Um, not a not a great problem, um, and probably a good thing for, for for Cummins to have that rest. Yeah, uh, look, I totally agree, hundred um, percent. It'll be uh, I'll be interesting to see though who who would take over. I think it's a great idea to have the rest. Who do you reckon would be the next one day captain if you had to pick someone long term? I do think that they're um, heading in the Mitchell Marsh direction. Um, I think it'll be a question of how he goes. Um, in as much as it's very difficult to tell that in three T Twenty games. Uh, you know, they can be pretty hectic. They're over pretty quickly. It's hard to know uh, exactly how well he is going to go. But my instinct is he'll, he'll do a good job. And I think that's the direction that they're looking to head. Um, you know, he's probably at that perfect age, just um, 30, 31 or thereabouts. And, um, I, yeah, if I had to put money on it, um, that's the direction I think they'll go. All right. Now, a young Australian starring in the 100 over in the UK. Uh, if you didn't see this, mm. get in there and um, they've got Cricket Australia actually put the entire spell that he bowled. You know, this shows how good it was. You know, normally you see the wickets only, but uh, they they bowl in fives over there in the in the intriguing hundreds. So rather than six ball overs, it's five ball overs. His twenty balls. Now, this is his debut in the hundred. Previously, for any bowler who'd bowled twenty ball a twenty ball their, their full complement, the lowest runs they'd ever um, conceded was six. In his 20 balls, he had 19 balls where he didn't concede a run, one ball where he conceded a single, and he took three wickets. So he took three for one in, um, uh, you know, effectively a T20 game. And the highlights could not be more impressive. He is this young guy. He's not that young. He's 27. He's had injuries galore. Um, but he's finally um, bursting clear. He looked like he was at 1.2 speed compared to everyone else at normal speed. Um, one ball he bowled to uh, Phil Salt that uh, cut him in half and he was gesturing to um, Butler at the other end. This is, this is something unexpected. He swings the ball like uh, Mitchell Stark. He can also swing it away. And you look at that and think, this guy is um, anything. And as, as Josh Hazelwood said in the paper, where's he been? Um, mm. You know, he's, um, and, you know, where he's been is he's been um, a bit like Pat Cummins in his early days um, uh, in rehabilitation for the best part of, of, of seven years. So, um, you know... It, it's the early days, and the next few games, he wasn't quite as impressive. But, yeah, do yourself a favour. Have a look at those highlights, and it, it looks like a combination of Mitchell Stark and Mitchell Johnson. It, it couldn't be more impressive. All right, yeah, definitely check out those headlines. We may be seeing a lot more of him now. We've just got a few minutes left, but this story intrigued me. South Africa, in test cricket, looks like they're going to be sending their third string side. What's this all about? Uh, this is just a lovely, depressing story for those of us <laughs> who love test cricket. It's like, uh, imagine if Australia was touring New Zealand uh, and we said to New Zealand, uh, look, um, the Big Bash is on at the same time. We're only going to pick our test side from players who couldn't get a Big Bash contract. It would be an absolute disaster. Now, Australia's still a long way, hopefully never 
uh, going to get to that point. Mm. But South Africa, they've got this, um, the, the SA20 series coming up, which is bankrolled out of India. It's kind of IPL franchises having kind of an extension into the South African, um, well, into the, the southern summer. It's bankrolling South African cricket because they are in a desperately bad state financially. There's only six teams, but that's what they've said. They've said, um, we are not going to pick all our best players. Anyone who's got um, a contract with one of those franchises, they are going to be there and we'll pick our test side out of the remainder. They sort of they said to New Zealand, can you reschedule the series? Mm. New Zealand said no. And so you just look at it and it's a, it's a who's who at the moment of South African cricket who won't be available. And I think that the article I read didn't bother printing the next lot of players that won't be available because people haven't heard of them. But there'll be people who we haven't heard of that aren't even available. They'll be choosing the ones left over mm. after that. And for those of us who love test cricket, it's kind of like the, the fear that it's going to very quickly devolve into Australia, India and England almost being the only three sides. We're not there yet, but this is. Uh, I hope that this can be somehow fixed and changed because... Uh, it's going to be an absolute farce if South Africa is going over there with a side of, um, uh, of, of also ran. So, yeah, um, very, very disappointing. Yeah, well, let's hope, and it might be something we, uh, short on time today, but it might be something we can discuss more next week about the possibility of that happening in the future with other teams as well. And I think that has been the worry for quite some time with, yes, the Big Bash and T20 cricket is good, but now in some countries, as you've just quite clearly said, are starting to dominate uh, and take precedence, which is not what I don't think, not what most cricket fans want. So maybe one we can go a bit deeper into next week, Paul. Uh, you were home at, what, 1am uh, this morning? So you've done very well, only four hours sleep. Yeah, done very well. And I, I managed on the way home, I managed to nab a ticket to the final. So I'll be oh, doing it all again on Sunday night. Lucky, <laughs> lucky you. I think that will be still be a great atmosphere. I imagine there'll be a lot of English fans there on uh, Sunday night. Well, you enjoy that. Glad you got to go out there uh, last night. And we'll uh, definitely talk more about that South Africa story uh, next week and uh, any other headlines in the cricket world as we head towards uh, the... Uh, more cricket with the white ball uh, series starting very, very soon in what, just uh, just over a week or so's time. So looking forward to that, Paul. We'll chat again next week. Thanks, mate. See you then. Thank you, mate. Paul Dennett on the line, our cricket expert. We'll chat with him again next week on the show. 0457 736 736. Uh, this from Jason. Can we please have a morning without a story on a rooster or a rooster's player or a rooster team as a whole? For a team struggling to make the eight, it's over the top and boring. Uh, Jason, you'll be pleased to hear, I don't think I've mentioned the roosters uh, this morning. They are in action against the Eels tomorrow night, but I think that's probably all I've said. But thank you, Jason. Uh, appreciate your text. Back with, a br- back with more after this break. It's 10 to 6. Ban has said, hi, Dan, can we have more talk about the Roosters? Uh, no, no. We'll, we'll just, uh, we'll, the, the Roosters will be mentioned again, no doubt. Tomorrow morning, actually, when we uh, preview. But thank you uh, for the feedback, Chookman. Uh, and this text, I like this. If you're picking the best fullback to play fullback, you go with Dylan Edwards. If you're picking a fullback for other reasons, go with any of those three that aren't the best fullback. Well, yeah, we know Dylan Edwards has been overlooked many, many times. He's such a good player. Just been unlucky to be around in the era of James Tedesco. Thank you for the text. Very good point. Yeovil Treeman says, Cowboys 25, Sharks 16 tonight. Uh, Chris Perkins will be on tomorrow. He has tipped the Sharks. So anyone that uh, notes his tips down, he has tipped the Sharks. Breakfast coming up in Queensland with Heels and Corey Parker. Scott Drinkwater, Alicia Canavaris uh, will be uh, on the show as well. And on SEN 1170 with Fossey and Brandy, Max Russian, Jared Waitley, Michelle Bishop and Michael Carianis. Have a good Thursday. I'll catch you for the final one tomorrow, 5 a.m.